Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am your host, Rachel Larry Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I own and run a good feeling dog training based in Denver, Colorado. And I am dog mom to Waylon, who is a six-year-old American Staffordshire Terrier, and Spicy, who is a six, almost seven-month-old American Staffordshire Terrier. So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you how you can survive your dog's teenage them, their adolescence. This is actually a replay of one of my earlier episodes. It was actually episode number 25, which was so nostalgic to listen back to. Uh, it's very relevant information that is absolutely on my mind right now as Spicy is transitioning into her adolescence and lots of challenging behaviors are coming up, which was not at all surprising, but here we are. So in this episode, you'll hear me talk a lot about Waylon and his adolescence. Waylon was a very difficult dog to deal with in his adolescence. Spicy is proving to be challenging, but it doesn't feel as difficult as Waylon was. But she's only seven months old, so we have lots of adolescence left. So if you have a dog who is between the age of six months and one year, this episode is going to be very, very relevant for you. So please enjoy this replay of surviving your teenage dog. Let's talk about surviving your dog's adolescence shall we? This is something near and dear to my heart because um, I know you guys, if you've been listening, you know the journey Waylon and I have been on. If you are new to the podcast, um, he is a two and a half year old American Staffordshire Terrier. So yeah, his adolescence was rough. Like I got to be honest, like there were definitely some moments where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be a dog trainer. But I'm feeling much better about my training abilities these days, and you too can survive your dog's adolescence. So when I'm talking about adolescent dogs, I'm talking about dogs in the age range from about six to seven months to about two to three years. I know that seems like a really big age range, because it is, um, it's super dog dependent, right? Male, female, different breeds. Like there's a lot of factors, but when I'm talking about adolescent dogs, like that's the age range that I have in mind. So Waylon is just like at the tail end of his adolescence. But, you know, it just depends. I know that, you know, some dogs stay adolescent until they're three. Some dogs mature earlier on and are a little bit more, you know, adjusted at two. So yeah, that's kind of the age bracket I'm referring to when I talk about adolescent dogs, okay? Teenage dogs, we'll call them. I know that there's a lot of debate over spay and neuter. I am a big believer in following the research and the research that 
I got my hands on, I was able to absorb, um, led me to make the decision not to neuter Waylon until he was 18 months old. There's a lot of factors in that, but for him, I wanted to let him grow and I wanted his growth plates to close with all of his normal hormones before I neutered him. There used to be, you know, this like old school understanding that if you neuter your dog, they were less likely to have behavior problems. And we, in fact, know the opposite of that is true. Um, Your dog is much more likely to have more aggressive behavior, anxious behavior if they or spayed or neutered earlier versus later in their life. Um, That doesn't mean that leaving your dog intact doesn't come with some annoying consequences, okay? Like, it does, right? Like, their bodies are flooded with hormones, just like it it happens in teenagers. But I feel like, you know, the short-term, you know, hormone boost and, you know, unwanted behaviors that may follow are worth it, knowing the physical and behavioral benefits to waiting to spay and neuter. Um, Again, it's your dog. You have to do the research. You got to take some stuff in and make your own decisions. But that is the decision I made with Waylon. I will say between about 11 months and 17 months, um, it was a power struggle. I'm not going to lie to you. It was really hard. I felt like Waylon was constantly trying to do stuff I didn't want him to do. And it really felt like an awful power struggle. After he was neutered, I do feel like we were able to make really nice progress in the training and bonding department. That is just my experience, right? You may have different experience. That's fine. But um, again, I felt like those few months of like back and forth were worth it knowing that um, his physical health was good. Um, His growth plates were closed. We confirmed that before we neutered. And he wasn't like afraid or aggressive about anything. So I felt comfortable neutering too. Okay, so yeah, just for the record, um, neutering and spaying does not decrease aggression. (laughs) So yeah, and that's something, you you know, you got to talk to your vet about, you got to do some research, but that's kind of my two cents on the spay and neuter thing. Okay, so that definitely plays into training your adolescent dog. And just for the record, our next dog, which we probably won't be getting a dog for at least a year or two, um, we'll definitely be getting a female dog, and I too will be waiting to spay her until at least 18 months. Yeah. So there's that. Let's talk about how to deal with adolescent dogs. Management. I know you guys have heard me talk about this over and over again. If you are new to the podcast, welcome to the wonderful world of management. Management means using everything at your disposal to set up the environment so there is very little chance that your dog will do the unwanted behavior. Baby gates. X-pens, leashes, puzzle toys, management is absolutely crucial in surviving your dog's adolescence. I'm a big believer in crate training for a number of reasons. I want my dog to be able to be contained and keep it together if, you know, the situation arises. A dog in a crate is much more likely to be destructive, rehearse unwanted behavior. Um, But on that same note, I'm a big believer in a crate as a means towards an end. Your adolescent dog, they should not be left loose in your house until they're at least a year old. 
That's, you know, my opinion. And I think that there are some exceptions, but I think by and large, if you have an adolescent dog, when you are not home, they should be in a crate. You have to teach them to like being in a crate, right? I'm not suggesting you just like shove a dog in a crate, but um, a crate is going to be a huge management tool. Um, That is not for forever. Waylon was crated when I was not here until he was like well into his first year of life. And that was to prevent destructive behavior, barking behavior, bothering the other dog's behavior. And now Waylon is great. I can leave him loose in my house and I never have to think twice about it. He even has access to the doggy door, right? So, and that's all because I shaped him when he was young and I prevented him from getting good at destroying things and practicing behavior I didn't want to see more of. Management is absolutely crucial (laughs) in surviving your dog's adolescence. Okay, if your dog is terrified of the crate, come up with another creative solution for management, right? Like maybe you baby gate them in a room that you puppy proof so there's not very much room for error. Maybe you utilize an X pen. There's lots of creative solutions to making sure that your dog is contained when you are gone so they're not practicing unwanted behavior. And again, this is all a means towards an end. When a dog is trustworthy, they should absolutely be left loose in your house puzzle toys, enrichment. This is non-negotiable in adolescent dogs, right? Like you guys have heard me talk about boosting enrichment at mealtime for your dogs, but this is, you have to do it with your adolescent dog. Adolescent dogs just have all of a sudden more energy. Um, They seem to be getting into more trouble. So the more productive outlets you can build into their day-to-day, the easier your life will become. So um, mealtime, no food out of a normal dog food bowl. No, adolescent dogs should absolutely be working for their meals out of some sort of enrichment toy every single meal. The only exception I would make to that is if the dog had like a crazy strenuous exercise day, in which case maybe I would take like a meal or two off of the enrichment. But if you work like a normal job and your dog is crated Monday through Friday, you you have to use enrichment at mealtime. No bowls that they just are eating for free out of. Okay? Um... When I say bowls they're eating for free out of, I'm just talking about like normal dog food bowls. I hope you guys are with me. (laughs) Um, I will include a link in the show notes. Um, I did an ebook on enrichment. There are all kinds of really awesome ideas um, for building more enrichment into mealtime for your dogs. Yeah, so if you want to check that out, I'll just include a link to that in the show notes. A lot of management, right? Using physical barriers, using puzzle toys. Exercise is another one of those things that's pretty non-negotiable with your adolescent dog. I mean, obviously there's an exception to every rule for every breed, for every mix of breed, but by and large, adolescent dogs need some sort of physical exercise every single day. I got to be honest, I don't think that a 20 minute short like leash walk is enough. I really just don't think that it is. If that's all that Waylon was getting on a day to day basis was a 20 minute walk, he would have destroyed everything. Seriously, like that's that wasn't enough for him. So you need to look at how can you build in more exercise into their schedule so you can make it through their adolescence. Okay, so maybe you hire a dog walker to come. um, So you do a walk. They maybe get a second walk from a dog walker. 
I think that daycare can be an option, but it is not right for every dog. So that's definitely like a case-by-case basis. Hikes, we're really lucky here in Colorado. There's several companies that will pick up your dog and take them for a hike. I know that that's a service that's offered in a lot of places. Um, Super duper valuable. So if you have an adolescent dog and you feel like you're drowning in their unwanted behavior, look at hiring help. Hire someone to come and take the dog out during the day so that when you come home from work, their needs have been met and you can enjoy them. Set that up for yourself, okay? As dogs mature, I don't feel like the exercise requirement is as drastic. Yes, it's always there, but I don't think it's as important uh, as it was in their earlier years. Okay, so Waylon and Tifa get an insane amount of exercise, and I recognize that not everyone's lifestyle is like mine, but Waylon also gets lots of days off where I just do nothing with him. That wasn't always possible in his earlier days, right? Like I said, now he's two and a half, and I can definitely get away with more off days, but that's because on the on days, he's hiking anywhere from like seriously like seven to 12 miles, right? We're doing agility. He's got a lot going on, so that's why I can get away with some of those off days, right? Tiva doesn't want want off days, but she's 12, so I make her take days off, but that's besides the point. Management. You need mental enrichment for your adolescent dog and you need to look at appropriate exercise for your dog as well. Their diet. What are they eating? If you are feeding your dog a food that is primarily filler, sugar, and artificial colors, it makes plenty of sense that you have a hyper dog. Okay, you are what you eat. You are and so is your dog. And I don't think that everyone has to feed raw. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But I think that you need to be looking at if all you're doing is giving your dog processed food that has a high sugar content, you're probably not seeing the best version of the dog that you could be if maybe they were eating like one real whole food meal a day. It doesn't have to be super complicated. I'm telling you, it doesn't. I think seriously, just adding like simple additions to kibble can go a long way. Okay, so diet's super important in your adolescent dog. Um, If you are not sure what's in your dog food, look at the ingredients label. Same thing with those treats, right? A lot of dog treats on the market have artificial colors. There's a bunch of sugar in there. So you definitely don't want to be pumping your already overzealous dog, adolescent dog, with more sugar. Okay, so definitely keep that in mind because diet absolutely matters. Um, You definitely want to be looking at their physical health. Growing pains, alive and well in adolescent dogs. Like, can you imagine being just a teeny tiny puppy and then just in a few months turning into like a ginormous Great Dane? I mean, it's, it's really quite astounding how quickly they grow. So I think that we need to be looking at and supporting their physical health. So something that was a game changer for Waylon and I. Like I said, you know, about like the 11 to like 17 month age range, it felt like a power struggle. And I swear this dog was constantly into everything. Like he couldn't be unsupervised in the house for a second without being like on top of the table or in the trash, right? Like it was a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Waylon's adolescence really almost broke me, but it didn't. I'm a much better person now, but it was rough. So I, you know, I hit this point where I'm like, what do I do with this dog? He can't spend 20 hours a day in his crate because I can't trust him in the house. And I took him and he got a uh, chiropractic adjustment 
And the next day, the dude just chilled in the house all day long. And you know what I think was happening is he was tweaked. He was uncomfortable and he was trying to find an outlet to make that pain go away. I really, I'm a huge believer in chiropractic for people and for dogs for a lot of reasons, but I think that it's super applicable to adolescent dogs. Okay, so if your dog is uncomfortable, it makes plenty of sense that they are trying to redirect that discomfort to other places. Okay, and then, you know, the teething thing for sure. In my experience, I normally see adult teeth coming in in dogs anywhere from like the five to seven to nine month range. It depends on the dog for sure and the breed. But that's definitely another thing that can cause like unnecessary mouthing and biting is because their teeth freaking hurt. So make sure you have lots of bully sticks, frozen Kongs, marrow bones, have that stuff in place so that the dog has an appropriate outlet to meet some satiate, we'll say, their desire for chewing because their teeth freaking hurt. So let's talk about training our adolescent dogs. You should have already laid a foundation as a puppy, right? You should have focused heavily on socialization and basic manners, okay? So now we're in our adolescence. It is not uncommon that as your dog reaches their teenage months, it feels like they've forgotten everything you taught them. Um, I know it feels like that, but oftentimes what's happening is the dog is discovering how reinforcing the world can be, and you are really getting a real sense of you reinforce the behaviors you want to see enough. Um, this was something I definitely learned with Waylon. Like, I was reinforcing consistently. You guys know this. Like, I'm a big believer in, like, being generous with my reinforcements and paying heavy for what I want. But I definitely saw some holes in Waylon's reinforcement history and some of his behaviors in his adolescence. So I'll give you an example. So um, there is a off-leash dog park that we like to go to, and I was there with Waylon, and it was time to go, and I went to put the leash on Waylon, and he bolted away from me and proceeded to run around at the dog park for like 10 minutes until a kind stranger grabbed him, and I was able to put him back on leash. So instead of being pissed at him, yes, I was embarrassed. Yeah, was it great? No, but what I did is I took that information, and I let it inform our training sessions. And you best believe I put a lot of reinforcement in the act of getting re-leashed. These are micro skills that you have to teach your dog. And, you know, we get spoiled. Some of these dogs just come with stuff for free, you know. By and large, you have to spell out what you want from the dog and pay for it heavily. So it works in those scenarios. Um, I'm very happy to say that now Waylon, anytime I call him for a release, like there's no problem at all. Like he's not bolting from me. He's like, cool, I'm getting my leash back on. This is really reinforcing. I made getting released really, really reinforcing. And now he does it consistently. Remember that training doesn't stop when your dog is potty trained, <laughs> right? Like training never really stops. It just doesn't. But it you really need to ramp up training and consistent reinforcement in their adolescence, 
Okay, like that's super duper crucial. So don't feel like, oh, they already know this. Like I don't need to reinforce this. They don't. If they are not doing it in a variety of situations, they do not know the behavior. If you guys missed it, I did a post on Instagram about if your dog really knows something. Um, Yeah, so scroll through my feed because I feel like that's a pretty pertinent caption to read. You know, sometimes people are like, my dog knows that. Well, your dog does not know something if they are not able to do it in a variety of situations. That's just not the way that it works. And your dog is not being malicious, right? Like dogs don't roll that way. Dogs don't have malicious intentions, okay? Dogs do what works. And if something else is more reinforcing than what you want, you got to step up and you got to reinforce that behavior more so that the dog does it when you need them to. I taught a lot of behaviors in Waylon's adolescence that served as alternate behaviors to the unwanted behavior that I was seeing. So before Waylon was neutered, there was a lot of um, mounting, right? Like there was a lot of mounting all over the board. He was just full of hormones. It's a normal thing, right? But to prevent the mounting, I did a ton, a ton of reinforcing for a go lay down cue. If you guys have been listening to the podcast, you have heard me talk about this. If you are a dog professional, you are well aware of the value of um, stationing behaviors. But I taught him to go to a specific location, lie down and stay there until I released him. That served as a really nice alternate behavior and a lot of context. So that's definitely something I would put at the top of my training list if I had an adolescent dog that I feel like I'm constantly telling them not to do something. You always want to look at what can you tell the dog to do so that you can reinforce. I hope you guys are with me. I also taught a settle, which, you know, for Waylon is I sit down in a chair when he is on leash. That is his cue to lie down and wait patiently. This served us very, very well in social situations, breweries, dog trainer meetings, um, group classes. So that's a behavior in Waylon's adolescence that I put a ton, a ton of reinforcement in. Um, But I think what it really boils down to is in Waylon's adolescence, my main focus was reinforcing calm, quiet behavior, right? Because if you guys follow us on Instagram, you know that Waylon is not a quiet, calm creature, right? Like he's staffy screams like nobody's business. He wants to go, 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 go all the time. So for us, I really had to look at reinforcing the stuff that wasn't already reinforcing to him. Remember that your value of reinforcement must continue to stay high until the dog is much older. In your dog's adolescence, that is not the time to wean your dog from hot dogs to Cheerios. I'm telling you, it's just not the time. You need to keep up the value. You definitely need high value treats in distracting situations if you want to make it through your dog's adolescence. Some things that I did in Waylon's adolescence that I think that really served us well was I took a step back from some of my previously um, high on the list training goals. So I got Waylon with the intention of doing a lot of dog agility and I was putting um, too much pressure on him. He just wasn't ready um, emotionally. He was just too distractible. Um, There were some group classes where Waylon wouldn't listen to me at all in an off-leash setting. Um, His reinforcement was going and greeting people. 
And like, that's okay, right? But I really looked at the scenario, like, how do I need to set this up so we can be successful? And we took a step back from doing a ton of agility training, and I put a lot more value in recall training. And then when I had focus, and he would actually come back when I called him in that setting, then we started focusing on agility again. So there is no harm in taking a step back from like a training goal if you feel like you aren't making progress and you are just frustrated. I really had to work on me. I was getting really frustrated and in all honesty, I was being quite unkind to Waylon in some scenarios and that's not the point. Right, like agility is supposed to be fun for both of us. And if I couldn't show up for him and be in a happy headspace, we we didn't go. Because it's not fair for him if I show up and I'm being a jerk and expect the worst and then he doesn't pay attention and then I leave frustrated and he leaves defeated. Like that's absolutely not the point. So if you keep working on a training goal and you're not successful, take a step back from that, work on something else, and then you can go back to it later. Okay, something that I increased um, in the training department was dock diving with Waylon. If you guys follow us on the gram, you know that Waylon is a total psycho for water. Like seriously, like curdling screams. I mean, it's it's unreal. This dog just completely loses his shit for the pool. And that is something that I made a concession on because I had a lot of conflict. I'm like, do I really want to let him rehearse this behavior of like pulling and screaming to get into the pool? That's a concession that I made. Waylon definitely goes crazy before he goes in the pool. And that's something that I've done nothing to change because... After dock diving, um, one, Waylon's tired. Two, our relationship is better than it was before because we got to do this brilliant thing before. And giving him that outlet definitely cut down on some of the unwanted stuff I was seeing other places. So it's okay to make concessions about some stuff, right? But on the flip side of that, you also have to be consistent about behaviors you do or don't want. Okay, so like if you don't want your dog to jump on people, it's up to you to be consistent about managing the situation so that they don't rehearse the behavior. In the context of dock diving, I couldn't manage the situation enough to keep him from pulling, screaming to get into the pool. I, I, I just, I'm sure if I would have, you know, spent more time and effort, I probably could have, but I didn't right? So I think it's okay to make concessions, but you can't make concessions and then be pissed at the dog later if they are doing the thing that you never, you know, stepped up to prevent from happening. I hope that makes sense. Sometimes when I'm sitting here talking into this microphone, I wish that someone was here with me so we could have a dialogue. So I think I'm going to have more guests on the podcast if that's cool with you guys. But anyways, back to surviving your dog's teenage months. Something that I see a lot is people stop taking their dog places because the dog is doing X, Y, or Z, insert unwanted behavior here. While I think that you should definitely not take your dog to super distracting locations where you're bound to fail, I do not think that you should stop taking your dog places in their adolescence. I think that this can be really detrimental to dogs and people alike because you get in the habit of doing stuff without your dog. Meanwhile, your dog is sitting at home, probably teaching themselves some bad habit. 
Okay, so please don't stop taking your dog places just because they're naughty adolescents and you feel overwhelmed, right? Again, equip yourself with high value treats, set yourself up for success. Okay, so let's go back to, you know, the example of when Waylon bolted for me at the dog park. So while I was working on teaching um, a better conditioned emotional response to getting leashed up, right? Like I wanted him to see that leash and be like stoked, like, yeah, she's going to put that on me. And until I got there, I did not go back to that same dog park because it was too open and I couldn't get him back if I needed him. What I did is I went to a smaller dog park that was fenced in and I let the leash drag. So that if I called him and he didn't come, I could go to him, I could step on the leash, I could give him a couple of cookies and pick up the leash. So I didn't stop taking him to the dog park. I stopped taking him to the big, gigantic dog park. I did. I used a fence and a a leash dragging as management. Yeah, so you have to get creative. You have to think about these solutions, okay? So please don't just stop taking your dog places because you feel overwhelmed by their behavior. Like work on teaching better behavior and take them easier places so that you can build back up to getting them where you want to take them. Right? Like Waylon and I can go to that big off-leash dog park now and like I I don't even think twice about it. Like I just know he'll come back when I want to put the leash on him and it just isn't a big deal. Right? So I had to take a break from that. I had to do some training, but we ultimately got back there. Right? So sometimes it feels like you're backtracking. Sometimes you do have to backtrack. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but you have to make those decisions and set up those scenarios so that you both can win. It's important that dogs stay social. It's important that dogs continue to have positive interactions with other dogs. It's important that your adolescent dog continue to have positive experiences with people, with bikes, with skateboards, with kids. Because if you, you know, you take them out a bunch until they're like six months old, and then from six months to one year, they never leave the house, that's not going to serve you well. And if you have a dog who has any sort of like underlying underlying like fear under there, that's going to manifest itself in not some great behaviors. Okay, so please, please, please don't just not take your dog places altogether. Just get creative about taking them places where you both can be successful. Imagine living in a cabin by yourself for six months. You didn't talk to anyone. Maybe you're outside, like, but you didn't talk to anyone. And then all of a sudden you're in New York City. And you just have to like get back in the swing of communicating, making eye contact, carrying on conversations like that is a major challenge. And that is what happens to a lot of adolescent dogs. And that is when I see a lot of adult dogs get surrendered. So let's prevent you from ever being in that scenario. I know you guys are brilliant and you would never give up on a dog. Yeah, like I I can commiserate with people because you feel like you're doing this good stuff and then you give up and then, you know, you have this dog with some pretty serious behavior problems. So do not stop taking your dog places. Just make sure you're choosing better places. While the goal obviously is to talk about meeting your dog's needs, I think it's also super important that we talk about meeting your own needs. If you can't show up and be a happy, motivated teacher for your dog, like that's when you're going to run into a lot of problems. So you have to look at yourself. What do you need to do to decompress so that you can be better and show up for your dog? I did a lot of 
wine <laughs> drinking in, <laughs> um, in Waylon's adolescence. That helped me decompress, right? Like I wasn't drinking like five bottles. I was having like a glass or two, but that helped me decompress. Um, there were definitely some times where I left Waylon at home in certain circumstances because I couldn't be in the headspace to be the trader that he needed, right? And like I recognized that. Like, and I saw that and I didn't put him or myself in those scenarios, right? So it is okay to make decisions for yourself. It is okay to go out and walk without the dog if that is what you need. But don't let that be the the permanent solution, okay? So decompression is super crucial for you, the human end of the leash. Um, So make sure that that doesn't fall by the wayside because you're so focused on this adolescent dog, I hope that this episode resonates with you. I hope that this is helpful. I hope that if you have an adolescent dog, you feel like you have some more coping strategies. Um, Know that you are not alone, right? Like we all go through it, no matter how skilled a dog trainer you are, no matter how much experience you have with a certain breed, like none of us are immune to the roller coaster of raising, living with, and training an adolescent dog. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.